0: We'll begin with a reign of terror. A few murders here and there. Murders of great men, murders of little men. Just to show we make no distinction. To be walking up the stairs with a camera bag that belonged to a young woman that had her severed head in it. I would move heaven, hell, and anything in between to get to you. You wouldn't be safe anywhere you know what the most frightening thing in the world is it's fear
1: i guess not all they were was shot and left (laughs) if it was a horrendous crime why didn't i shoot them between the
0: eyes cut their penis off stick it in their mouth you know do all kinds of gross stuff all they were was shot
1: Hello, strangers, and welcome to a new episode of Strange Talk Podcast. So it's it. We're here. It's the Jim Jones case that we're going to be discussing. And so if you don't know, James Warren Jones, or Jim Jones, as he was known, was an American cult leader who rose to his ranking, I guess, if you will, um, by what started out as good intention, but simply he just drove, he became mad with power and paranoid. Um, due to his drug use which is what we'll be discussing um, in this case today but yeah if you haven't heard of this case it's a pretty crazy case because um, you know as you'll find out he rose to power and through just paranoia and him thinking the government was out to get him he amassed his 900 and something followers to commit a mass suicide because they believed that Well, he believed and he made them believe that the government was coming to kill them and take away their children. And so they saw no other way out. So they all followed him and decided to end their lives, which we'll discuss, um, you know, so technically not a spoiler warning, because if you don't know about this case, then whatever. But yeah, that's what happens. So we'll get into it. So let's get into the actual episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Jim Jones, by name of James Warren Jones, so that's what, that's what his actual name was, was James Warren Jones, was born May 13, 1931 in Creedy, Indiana, and died November 18, 1978 in Jonestown, Guyana. And we'll get into exactly where Jonestown, Guyana was. But he was an American cult leader who promised his followers a utopia in the jungles of South America after proclaiming himself Messiah of the People's Temple, a San Francisco-based evangelist group. He ultimately led his followers into a mass suicide which left more than 900 dead and came to be known as the Jonestown Massacre. But before we actually get into when that actually takes place and when it happened. We kind of have to understand Jim Jones and where he came from. So as a young child, Jones became a regular churchgoer. His family, he was brought up into um, um, Christianity, evangelist Christian, uh, Evangelical Christian. Christianity is more basically what they were. And he was very... Uh, into being into the church he took a liking to it very immediately he was so enthralled with the preachers and the pastors or actually i, I believe it's pastors right um i'm terrible when it comes cause i know in in catholicism it's a preacher or a priest and then it uh, doesn't matter whatever but uh basically J- jim he noticed how the the churchgoers were like really like inspired by the pastors when they went up and talked and with their sermons so much so that as he grew older he actually became very involved in the church because he he liked that feeling of people listening to him and hearing him and seeing how he kind of fed off the energy of the churchgoers and so he loved that and he was like super into that so he would he would he, he's basically a, from a young age when he so all throughout his age, uh, I want to say from like 5 to like 10, he was always in church. And as he became 15 is when he actually sp- started participating and trying to become a pastor as well. So after graduating from Butler University, he decided to enter the ministry. So we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit because there's really not that much going on so much in his life. His parents were fairly normal. Obviously, they had arguments just like any other family would. But uh, from what I gathered and the research that I gathered, his family was pretty well, relatively normal. His father was uh, very heavily involved with uh, his church and his congregation. Uh, so there's really not that much going on. But anyways, jumping in the 1950s and 60s in Indianapolis, Indiana, Jones gained a reputation as a charismatic churchman who claimed to have psychic powers because that's what he would do. He he was so because, you know, obviously he's lying, but. That's like a thing within evangelical churches and and, um, like, you know, praising God, speaking in tongues and everything, because you supposedly have the spirit of the Holy Ghost inside of you that gives you the energy. But yes, he would claim that he had psychic abilities to predict outcomes and to and he would often say that he foretold he of a future where people would be able to uh, join hand in hand, because, as you know, during this time, um, Jim Jones started noticing in his congregation, in his church, that he would participate in sermons and, and give his sermons and everything. Uh, he started noticing that there was a, wasn't a was really a lot of black people. The, there wasn't really too many minorities within his congregation. He noticed that it was fairly white people. And he didn't really like that. He noticed the treatment of African Americans around that time, and he, he didn't really care for that. And so that's where I say it started out with good intention. Um, so he had psychic uh, powers. He would claim that he had psychic powers, such as the ability to foretell the future and miraculously heal those who were sick. He was a vocal proponent of racial integration. That's where we're getting into. A position that ran afoul of some church elders. And in 1955, he established the Wings of Deliverance, a Pentecostal church that eventually became known as the People's Temple. So this is where he started. This After he kind of became prominent and being a, a very like well-known um. Preacher or pastor or whatever it is that you call them, uh, he started getting a following. He started getting people because he was very adamant about the mistreatment of African Americans. He saw it and he felt like it, he was disgusted by it. And he not only would he do that, but once he started making his church because this is what he already did. He started we're at that point now where he made his church and. Uh, it was called the Wings of Deliverance. That's what he first called it, the Church of, of the Wings of Deliverance. And he announced it to the community. He went on the news and said that this is a place, because he, he even said that he grew up where a lot of his churches were segregated, and he felt that was wrong. He felt like all men are created equal, and he he said that in interview, interview that all men are created equal. That's what our forefathers said. Therefore, why is it that we have segregation within our churches? So, he became very well known in that part of San Francisco in his, con- in his um, community, and he would do outreach programs. He would, you know, help with homeless, uh, predominantly minorities, low income families. And so he was actually very well loved and very well liked in that community because it was a person that was actually standing up to the injustices that were going on when it came to segregation and the riots and everything that was going on at that time. During the time he was noted for his work with the homeless and in the early 1960s he served as a director of Indianapolis's human rights commission fearing a nuclear war Jones relocated his church his church why do i keep saying church his church to northern california in 1965 first settling near ukai And then in San Francisco in 1971. So he finally moved his church from Indianapolis to San Francisco. And this is when it became the People's Temple Church. And he truly believed that because he wanted his people, his congregation, to be a part of his church, to be a part of his temple. Because he felt like that's what makes a community grow is the community. So, following the move, Jones, who adopted the name the prophet, okay, he appointed himself the prophet, apparently became obsessed with the exercise of power. So, this is when, you know, flash, fast forward through all these years of when he became the prophet, he started noticing that he, how much power he had. And obviously, because of the greed of man, he became enticed with that power, if you will. Before long, he began to face various al- al- allegations, most notably that he was illegally diverting the income of cult members to his own use. Amid the mounting accusation, Jones and hundreds of his followers immigrated to Guyana and set up an agriculture commune called Jonestown. So they went to South America in Guyana and he actually because he he amassed so much money from his followers because that was the thing is I don't want it to paint the picture of that, like these followers just kind of followed him blindly. There was a lot of people who questioned his actions and questioned his thing. But what you don't know is that Jim Jones had, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Meet the Parents. There's that scene with Ben Stiller and and, um, Robert De Niro where uh, in the first Meet the Parents, when he talks about his inner circle, that uh, he has an inner circle. Well, that's exactly what Jim Jones had. He had an inner circle of people that he trusted uh, to basically have his back and not question his authority. And he would get those people to, to make sure that the rest of the congregation, his followers would follow him and follow them. And if you betrayed any any type of way, if he felt like you were like gonna betray him or just not follow with what he, if you were not on the same page as he was, as Jim Jones was, he would basically kick you out of the circle and just find somebody else and everybody wanted to be him. And not only that, but with that part of um, his sect, his inner circle, he would often make his followers uh, in his circle have sex with him. And he didn't really care. You know, he he felt like love was love and he would have sex both with men and women. So flash. Uh, Fast forwarding again, so at this point they're moving to Guyana, and so throughout all that time before they moved to Guyana, uh, the reason why they moved to Guyana is because, as he was facing the allegations about um, you know embezzling and taking money from his followers, he was also f- uh, facing allegations from the government about him supposedly sleeping with younger uh, members of the congregation, and that was a thing, and. Throughout the research that I've been looking into, um, there's witnesses claims saying that he had uh, like some of the witness testimony that I've read is they said that, yes, sometimes he would make he would make his followers like children have sex with each other or with him. And sometimes he would have like a small little circle of children that he would supposedly specifically teach his sermons to, but they would go off into another room in the compound of Guyana, of Jonestown, because that's eventually what they named their little community, their little commune, which was known as Jonestown. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty fucking weird, interesting thing. But then again, we don't really know if that's what happened, but more than likely, that's probably what happened because this is what was taken from actual witnesses because there are few survivors that will you'll find out later down the road in this episode there were survivors that didn't actually drink the kool-aid so jones uh so they set up an agricultural commune called jonestown in 1977 and as a ruler of the sect jones confiscated passports and millions of dollars and manipulated his followers with threats of blackmail beatings and probable death and he also staged bizarre rehearsals for a ritual mass suicide that's the thing so again that's where it comes with control if you didn't follow him what he would do. So that's another thing that I also read too in the research is that witnesses said that he would purposely somehow manipulate you and convince you or either threaten you with violence to sleep with younger children or to do things that were illegal so he could have evidence so he could be able to blackmail you. And not only that, another form of punishment that he would do if he felt like you were getting out of line or he felt like you were not necessarily, like, on the same page as Jim Jones were, what he would do is he would... He created this, like, coffin-like uh box. And he would stick you in there and leave you in there for days. All the while, having, like like, a guard, like, just some regular, like, follower watch over you and just talk shit to you the whole time or say shit about your worst fears and basically just psychologically like fuck with you that's what he would do there's there's like but there was like things that he would do he would just be like he like that's to sound racist but because a lot of his members were african-american what he would do is he would buy chicken fried chicken and he would literally because they were starving because they've been in there for days he wouldn't feed them he would give them like i think like the most like a, a piece of bread and maybe some porridge or like oatmeal or something or cream of wheat he wouldn't really feed them that much because that was like his tactic. He wanted to make you so desperate to want to get out of the box that you, w- you would do whatever he asked of to just get out of the box. And so what he would do is he would purposely buy chicken or... Or fried chicken or just whatever and he would sit there and he he would tell them like oh you know for example like we'll just say a fucking random name like oh mary aren't you so hungry oh i bet you can smell the chicken that i'm eating it's so good see if you would just listen to me and you would just do what i told you or do what i asked of you mary you would be out here enjoying this nice chicken with me that's what that's the fucked up thing that he would do and it sucks because what started out as good intention, he made these communities, he made these things to to bring people to come together. Because he did believe in the idea of a utopia where everybody could work together and there was nobody higher than anybody else and everybody was created equal. He truly believed that. But because of the power that he saw he had with his followers and over his followers, he just grew very mad. And not only that, during this time, uh, he was very into using cocaine. He was very... Very into using cocaine, and and so that's what they believe would add to his paranoia about him believing that the government. Because even before they moved to Guyana, to South America, uh, when he was still in San Francisco, there was a um, news reporter, a journalist, that decided to secretly invade his congregation, and just to write a story about what he did and how his church was being run. And so the news reporters went. And uh, what they didn't know, what Jim Jones congregation and Jim Jones himself didn't know was they knew that there were reporters coming in. And he allowed the reporters to come in and film his congregation, filled him giving him sermons and filmed how their daily lives were. Um, But what they didn't know was that there was, I think, two or three people that were part of the journalist team that secretly um, joined the People's Temple Church of Jim Jones. And just so they can get a, a more inside scoop. And what they didn't know, what well actually what Jim's Jones didn't know was during this time when the journalists were there filming, a person who wasn't who was part of the church, and was always part of the church but wasn't part of the reporters team, slipped one of the cameramen a note saying, "Please help us. We want to get out of here." And so, I don't know why, but the journalist instead of taking that to the police, what he end up what he did do instead. Was go to Jim Jones and saying, what do you say about this? We just received a note. We're not saying who it's from, but we received a note that one of your followers wants to leave because they say that the mistreatment that they're facing and that the people here are being mistreated. And Jim Jones was like, what? There's no way that he didn't believe that. And he just basically blamed the reporter saying that it was a lie that that his people are treated badly. uh wonderfully and that anybody who's doing that is just simply just to do that just to make him look bad and and instead of the reporter going to the police with the no they just went to fucking jim jones and said hey this is what we found or this is what was given to us uh can you do you have anything to say about this so fucking reporter so on november 14th 1978 u.s representative leo ryan of california arrived in Guyana with a group of reporters this is what i was just kind of explaining and relatives of the cultists to conduct an unofficial investigation of alleged abuses. Four days later, as Ryan's party and 14 defectors from the cult prepared to leave from an airstrip near Jonestown, Jones ordered the group assassinated. However, only Ryan and four others, including three reporters, were killed. So, those same reporters that basically went to Jim Jones and said, Hey, you know, we found this letter... And so what they did was those reporters, um, I forgot to mention that, um, but what they did was they brought those reporters, the reporters brought also some of the family's um, relatives uh, to the compound to basically talk to them and try to convince them like, hey, leave. We miss you. We don't think this is good for you. Please leave with us. And because of that, Jones was fucking pissed and he was mad because during this time, Jones was already paranoid as fuck. He believed that the government was coming to take the children that were in his congregation, in his commune. Uh, he believed that they were going to take them away from his, the families. And so he kind of used that as leverage to like make more people like follow him because they were like, what the fuck? We don't want you to steal our children. Why are you going to do that? So he had people go and follow them and murder them. So only a few of the reporters um, and Senator U.S. Representative Leo Ryan of California was gunned down in the assassination attempt attempt fearing that those who had escaped might bring in authorities jones activated his suicide plan and so on november 18th he commanded his followers to drink cyanide undulterated punch an order that the vast majority of them passively and inexplicably obeyed so before we get to the actual point when he decides to tell his followers to drink the poison what had happened was, on the night before November 1978, because that's when it all happened, okay? Everybody drank the cyanide poisoning, or the Kool-Aid. That's where we get that expression, to drink the Kool-Aid, is from this incident. Uh, before he did that, then the like the week prior to November 18, 1978, what he would do, just to see how much he, power he had over his followers, because he was kind of losing grasp on some of his followers because at this point, some of the people were like, we don't like this, we don't like what's going on. So some of them defected. And if you try to defect and he saw, he would try to kill you, obviously, because he he had a compound. He had guards there. They had AK-47s ready to go just in case any retaliation or anybody was trying to attack them, like the US government, which he claimed. But what he would do is, in the middle of the night, like say around 3 o'clock in the morning, between the hours of three and five, a huge air raid alarm would go off, and all the followers would just wake up in a panic, like "What the fuck's going on?" And you would hear him, because uh, uh, he, you know he would give sermons on his compound every Sunday. <clears throat> He had a huge uh, microphone and speakers blaring and he would just be like it's happening. It's happening my followers It's happening. There's the the government's here. They're going to take away your children They're going to kill us. Please hurry everybody come to the to the to the uh, church Everybody come to the church we're uh, we're gathering at the church come in and all the while air raids, sirens are blasting And people are just in a panic running around and he would say please gather around drink the kool-aid drink the punch drink it Have your children drink it do not run and he would have people run to try to defect and he would gun them down and then out of nowhere after soon he saw most of the people drink the punch he would just say thank you my followers thank you this was just an exercise i just wanted to see how committed you were to my my idea of uh, i just wanted to see how committed you were to if if the government were truly here if you would actually follow through and stay committed to your people and to your profit, which is he was referring to himself. That's literally what he would fucking do. He would, he would enact rehearsals and he would literally pretend like he was shooting people. He would fire blinks. He would, he would obviously that those people knew about it, but he would hire, not hire people, but He would basically come to some of his followers and it was mainly the people in his inner circle that he would say that like they were going to be the ones to run off to pretend to get shot because he wanted to scare the other followers into like, this is what will happen if you don't drink the fucking poison. I'll shoot you and gun you down. So either way, you either drink the poison and die that way or you die to a hail of gunfire. And so that's the fucked up shit that he would do. You know, that's just fucked up. (laughs) He would just do that shit just to cut. Kind of get you to to fucking obey him, and so that's the crazy shit. And so, leading up to that, a lot of people would question his methods of like, you know, if the government truly is trying to get us, why aren't they here? Why aren't they coming to get us? And Jin Jills would be like, "You're crazy. They're gonna get us. They're just waiting for that moment to strike. They're waiting for us at that moment to strike when we're the weakest." And he goes, "Right now, we're getting to that point, so that's why we have to be ready." Um, his wife that was there uh she would she would basically convince the people to but she loved him she adored him because she was so just because he was so charismatic when he was giving his sermons she just loved the fuck out of him and so you you know that's why you're wondering why too like why how could people just follow this so blindly and just so because you know what A a part of me also believes the reason why people were just so invested into it is because you have to understand from the 60s to nineteen actually from the 50s when he first started his. So in the fifty in 1956 is when he started becoming a pastor or a preacher and started giving his sermons. Then 1960 is when he actually created his first church, which was the Wings of Deliverance. And then it eventually became known as the People's Temple. And so from 1960 to 1977, that's like about what, like eight Years my math's probably totally wrong, but that's quite some time. And all the people that stayed with him throughout all these years were so invested into it, it's almost like you were in denial about it, you know. So that's why you have to understand the people's thinking of like, because I'm I'm pretty sure that's what everybody says, and that's probably what you're saying right now. Like, how could these people still just follow him so blindly and so just willingly to just follow his command? But I think a part of it too, and if you're trying to think like them or put yourself in their shoes is that you're so invested into this. Some people just can't take no, or just not that they can't take no, but that some people don't know how to admit that they're wrong, that they can't swallow their pride and simply just say, you know what, I'm wrong to follow this person. And I think that's a little bit of what it is. And because you've been in it so long that you don't know anything else. So it's kind of like a toxic, abusive relationship. You you don't know anything else. So to do something else is uncomfortable. So it's hard for you to get out of that routine of this is just all I know. And so on November 4th, I'm sorry, not November 14th, but on November 18th, 1978, around nine in the morning, Jim Jones walks into his church after announcing a huge meeting and a following. And he simply stands up at his podium, picks up his microphone, and says,
0: How very much I've loved you. How very much I've tried my best to give you a good life. Mm. But in spite of all of what I've tried, a handful of our people with their lies, have made our life impossible. There's no way to detach ourselves from what's happened today. Not only we're in a compound situation, not only are there those who have left and committed the betrayal of the century. Some have stolen children from others and they're in pursuit right now to kill them because they stole their children and we we are sitting here waiting on a powder keg. I don't think this is what we want to do with our babies. I don't think that's what we had in mind to do with our babies. It was said by the greatest of prophets from time immemorial, no man takes my life from me, I lay my life down. So to, to sit here and wait for the catastrophe that's going to happen on that airplane, it's going to be a catastrophe, almost happened here almost happened. The congressman was nearly killed here. But you can't steal people's children. You can't take off with people's children without expecting a violent reaction. And that's not so unfamiliar to us either. If we, Even if we were Judeo-Christian, if we weren't communists, the world, the kingdom, with violence and the violence shall take it by force. If we can't live in peace, then let's die in peace.
1: So if you could hear in the background as Jim Jones, because that's the actual recording of when he ordered his followers to drink the cyanide poison placed into the punch or the Kool-Aid And in the background, you can hear children crying. And so that's the actual recording of that fateful day on November 18th, 1978, when Jim Jones ordered his 900 and something followers to ingest and knowingly ingest cyanide. Well, Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. Uh, So that's the actual recording. And you can hear the entire audio, which I have heard. So for the morbidly curious, you can actually listen to the, To the whole audio. Because it's not just that little snippet of audio. That is just simply the beginning. Of when he just starts going on to his whole rant. And his whole tangent about everything that's been going on. And why he's doing this. And it, it still stays recording till after he's done. And everybody has died. If you did not know. Jim Jones himself didn't actually drink the poison. He didn't. He didn't drink the poison. He himself did not drink the poison. After all his followers. Well majority of his followers. The ones that didn't defect. Because there were some people that when it got to that point and they had the cup in their hands, they were like, I can't do this. Like, this is fucking crazy. So they just simply left and they ran away. He didn't actually end up murdering anybody. He didn't actually end up shooting anybody. There was some people that did try to shoot other people, but he didn't actually go through with it himself. He just basically said that they're going to burn in hell and just talked a bunch of shit to them. Uh, And that's what he says. Like, you're basically betraying your people or your, your. In other words, to, to be in so crude lame's terms, he was just basically saying, like, you're a fucking pussy for leaving. Like, you can't stay here. Look at all these true believers that are staying here and following through with the plan. That's what he, he basically said. Um, but after that, um, so I forgot to mention throughout all his escapades with um, the other people's wives and just he he had an original wife that he married. Uh, they were together for 10 years. Her name was uh, Marceline, Marceline Jones. Uh, she was still there as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But there was also another woman which he was very infatuated with, and she was even more in love with him. But after everybody ingested the poison, Marceline ingested the poison. She perished. She she passed away. Uh, Caroline was the last one to be with uh, Jim Jones, if I'm not mistaken, especially in the research that I did find. But uh, she was with Jim Jones. And so Jim Jones basically looked at the pile of bodies that laid over his compound. He walked upon his steps because there was like an entrance kind of going into Jonestown. There was like an entrance that kind of had a little bit of steps. He basically stood up on there and he looked at Caroline and he, and he just said, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve and it sucks that it has to end this way. Something along the lines of that. And he simply took a, a gun and shot himself in the head. And as his body collapsed, Caroline, she was obviously sad, but she knew that this was his will and this was his plan. And so what she literally did. So this is all while Marceline, I believe is is dead. Uh from is under my assumption because there's throughout the research there's there's nothing that says that she died. The only thing that does well there's there is stuff out there that says that Marceline died and she ingested the poison along with all the other followers. Um But there's nothing that gives, like, actual proof because some people do believe that she's still alive. So that's kind of, like, weird to see that. But he did have sons. He did have children. But before we're going way off topic, but to continue on, after Jim Jones had uh, killed himself, he shot himself in the head. uh, Caroline, what she ended up doing was she kind of gathered his body and... She got a pillow and she lifted up his head and she placed it on the pillow, and she kind of like put his arms together and and almost like when you're viewing a person that died and you're at the wake, you're at the funeral and you're it's the viewing of the body. That's kind of like what she did for Jim Jones. and she kind of like placed his hands together like he was praying. And then after that, uh, she, I don't know if she said anything. I imagine she probably gave a prayer or some said something, I don't know. but then she finally drank the poison herself and she died by his side and so that's like fucking insane that's almost like a a Romeo and Juliet type of shit I'm pretty sure that's what she was thinking as she was ingesting the poison she's like this is for you Jim Jones but no that's that's insane like that's how much she believed in him and how much she loved him that like that's what she did all the while his actual wife is like over there just laying with the rest of the pile of bodies but to go back to the audio um, again, if you're morbidly curious, you can hear the full audio. It, it is very long. I think it's like about 20 or 30 minutes long, but you hear it throughout its entirety. You hear when he starts telling people, go ahead and drink the poison. And some people were kind of scared to do it. And he kind of talks to them and tells them like, oh, don't be scared. Just consider it like as if you're sleeping. You're gonna go for your long sleep. You're gonna have your your long sleep. So don't don't worry. You know, it's just gonna be like, you drink it, you don't taste anything. And you just fall asleep and you stay asleep forever. You're going to have your long sleep. That's what he would tell people. That's what he was telling them. You can hear that in the audio. But the more disturbing part for me is that you, you know what's going to happen. You know they're going to die because they're going to ingest poison. But the scary part for me is that the adults knew what were happening. Children, maybe, you know, I would say between the ages of like 10 and and higher they they obviously knew like whoa what the fuck's going on this isn't cool but you know what can they do They're children but you can hear the children crying and eventually once you get towards the end and after uh you hear that some of the people have already started ingesting it, and some of the people are sleeping is what he says what jim jones says is that some of them are already off to sleep that's what he says in the audio you just It gets very silent and like eerily silent. It's fucking insane to listen to. So if you're morbidly curious, all you have to do is just go on YouTube and search up Jim Jones uh, suicide audio or death audio, something along the lines of that. You'll, you'll be able to find it. Um, but yeah, the FBI, it, for a good while when it, after the incident happened, the FBI was the only ones that had the audio recording and then eventually they released it out to the public. Um, through the Freedom of Information Act. But yeah, it, that's the scary part for me is like hearing those children, knowing that those children are going to die. That's the scary part for me is just hearing that audio. And especially when it gets just very quiet and you don't hear anything after that, that's like when it's towards the end. That, that for me is like, oh shit, like you know they're gone. But yeah, so uh, Jim Jones did have children that survived. Uh, he only had... That we know of, because he might have had illegitimate children, because uh, there was an incident where he was uh, fooling around with Caroline, I believe it was. Uh, um, so Caroline was the last one with him be- after he had died, and she died beside him by j- ingesting the poison after he shot himself in the head. So Caroline had s- been sent away by Jim Jones for a few months, all of this before this happened, uh, before the suicide happened. He had, she had been sent away, and so some people were like, "Whoa, why is she going away?" Because at that time, she was pregnant. Caroline was pregnant, and obviously, nobody said it out loud, but you know, in secrecy, everybody kind of knew. Oh, it was probably Jim Jones's kid. But she had went away to uh, Mexico, and he sent her to Mexico. And when people questioned Jim Jones as to why she was sent to Mexico, he would just simply say, "Oh, she's on a secret mission for from God." That's what he would tell his followers. What people believe and and researchers believe today was that she either went to Mexico, Caroline um, went to Mexico to either have the child and then, you know, have someone adopted over in Mexico, or she just simply went to Mexico to have an abortion. But uh, uh, he did have a son and his name is Stephen Gandhi Jones, I believe is what they ended up naming him. Stephen Gandhi Jones, uh, because uh, Jim Jones was actually a fan of Gandhi, and Gandhi did some good stuff, yes, but he was also a fucking pervert as well, too. Because uh, if you don't know, going off topic, Gandhi would—he believed in being abstinent, but what the weird part about it is that he would literally have like young girls, like between the ages of like twelve and like fourteen and fifteen, he would sleep with them, but not like sexually. He would claim, supposedly, all he would do was just simply lay next to them. He just wanted to feel. Like, their body warmed the next time. That's what Gandhi would do. So, that's pretty fucking weird. Because that's, like, a whole other thing on its own that we could probably talk about in, like, a This Week in Crime episode. Um, But, yeah. So, he does have a child. And there's actually footage, I believe, of Stephen uh, Gandhi Jones going back to the compound and kind of reminiscing about it. I want to say it was, like, 2020 did a special on it. um, Or some other news uh, network did a special with Stephen gandhi jones actually going out to the compound and kind of talking about remembering what it was like living there and there's not really a lot about like what happened to the kids after uh well his kids mainly are his kid because he did have a few illegitimate children as well not too, too much is known about them the only one really known is um steven gandhi jones who's kind of been out about like what it was like living there and stuff like that and kind of just dealing with you know him knowing what his father did so it is pretty uh, interesting watch. Uh, you can try to find it on YouTube, but I do remember uh, seeing snippets of that interview when they went out to Guyana and, and they went to Jonestown. Like, I think it was like, what, 10, 20, 30 years after it happened? I want to say No, it wasn't 10. It was like 30 years after it happened. Uh, yeah, so that's a pretty interesting thing. So that's going to be it for this episode of Jim's Jones. And the Jonestown massacre, where this man was just insane with power and drunk with power and mad with power, that he amassed his 900 followers to knowingly ingest cyanide and commit a mass suicide. So, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, sorry for the delay. I got kind of caught up on the weekend i wasn't really feeling too well so when it got around to like recording it i just couldn't do it and so that's why it's coming out later today but i hope you guys enjoy this episode it was pretty fun to get together because i haven't done one in about a cult leader in quite some time i don't actually i think this is actually the first episode that i've done about a cult leader i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure that this is what i this is my first time so yay i popped my cherry for that So, yeah, stay tuned for next Monday where it's going to be This Week in Crime. And This Week in Crime is where I bring you guys interesting or weird or fucked up news stories from around the world or right here in the good old U.S. of A. So stay tuned for that. And uh, if you guys can't support the show by donating money, which I know it's kind of hard, especially with today's economy and the inflation skyrocketing and all the bad shit that's going on in the world, I completely understand. But the best way to support the show, because without you listener this show would not be what it is today so i can't thank you guys enough for that but if you can't support by you know donating money um the best way to support the show is to follow me on instagram at strange talk podcast uh and just kind of letting your friends and family know about the show and kind of introducing more people if you truly enjoy this show and like what i do you know support the show that way by just spreading the word of strange talk podcast okay that'd be the best thing you can do to help support the show uh so until next week Stay strange. Thank you for listening. I love you. Bye-bye.